Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. We've been, uh, uh, first of all, I think the Valentine's thing, isn't that a great thing? It's good to night of love. And so whether you're single, whether you're, you're hooked up, I'm going to bring my honey bunny unless we have to watch the kids so that our kids can go. Then we'll we'll share the love with our grandkids while the kids go. But anyway, but it's going to be a great night. And uh, so uh, if you can spread the word, it's for anyone to go, right? And uh, just follow the registration times and stuff because they'll need counts to know how many tables and everything. So... Just uh, make sure you register there on time, but it's going to be a great night. And, um, and the Replenish is, uh, if, you're, if you want cheapy, cheapy, almost free, this is the last Sunday where you get it at the lowest price. So um, if you know you're going, sign up. Save 20 bucks. But uh, if not, you can sign up later. That's not a problem. But it's going to be a good, um, you know, the, the focus or the theme is endurance. And I believe that, you know, there's a lot of people that start good, but they don't finish well. And the Bible says it's the person that endures to the end. It's enduring to the end. It's, it's God's more concerned because he's, it's not where we started. It's where we end up. Our, our life with God is, is continually being transformed by him, continually being changed. So our end should be better than our start. But we need endurance and there's, there's things where um, you got to endure through. And, and we are coming into some seasons where we have got to know how to endure. If we, can't, if we can't make it when times are easy, what are we going to do when times get tough? Just leave it, Mike. Don't worry about it. We can get it later. Everybody's watching. It's like, yes, he knocked off something for the pew. Yes. Life goes on, all right? <laughs> it's fixable. It's fixable. He's not the first one that's done it. But, um, but so these weekends, these times are, are set apart where God can go deeper in our lives and he can minister to these areas because we can't get what we need on a one time, one a couple hours or not even two hours on Sunday usually. We need to go deeper. And so these times we are just set apart where we can soak and we can be worshiping God for longer periods. It's a Friday night and it's all day Saturday and just taking that time. And then it's also connecting with one another over the meal times. It's great to be able to connect and sit down with people and get to hear some, some real life of people's lives. You know, we, we, we just, we don't take these. That's why we, because we want more work to do. It's, there's a purpose in it. And, it's, and it, it's good. And we've seen so much good fruit from it. So we're excited about this one coming up. we got Bill and Kathy coming up to help us. And they're bringing people from Kingston that they've got that are coming as well to receive from the, the, the weekend. So, so people from Kingston are coming for it. So people from Elmville, people from all these different places, Angus. But, <laughs> whoa, Aurelia, <laughs> with our lives, and, and how do we give him glory, 
And like as Jesus said, you know, in, in, to find your life, you have to lose it. If you, if, and, to, and to lose it for his namesake. And he says, like, what do you gain if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? And so life's an exchange, and we've got to see it as that. And so every area that we look at, and so last Sunday we looked at time, and we looked at Jesus. How, how did Jesus divide his time? How did he live? And we, we, we were given a scripture in Luke where it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and, and, and people. And so we know that he, he grew spiritually, he grew intellectually, because that was wisdom and, and understanding. He grew physically and um, in his physical life because he grew in stature, so he cared for his body. We're going to look at how we can glorify God with our body, but that's not tonight. And then how he glorified God with his um, social life, because that's a very important thing. Kids love to be around Jesus. You know, these movies that show him that he's like this, you know, he walks like this. It's all serious and pale and he was Jewish. He was anything but pale. Man, oh, man. And it's like, but the kids flocked to him, and they wanted to be around him. And the disciples were like, get, get the kids away. They, he must have been smiley. Kids love smiley people. Not crusty, grumpy people. Not religious, crusty people. He, they were, he, he was smiley. He had a good social life. But all four of those areas where areas he grew in. So he, he wasn't just one thing, because we make him like he's super, super spiritual, and that's what he was. But he had a social life. He had a physical life. He, he took that. And, and we've got to have How do we time in a world? We, we looked at that last night, so I'm not going to go there, but... but one area that I want us to see that we can glorify God in, and the Bible puts this, um, it, it competes with God. And it's probably one of the biggest things in our lives that we are going to have to contend with. And that's finances. That's money. And um, the, I haven't done a whole message on money in years. Actually, it's been too long. Because two-thirds of the Word of God is around money. It's related to money. It's stewardship of money. It's if you read the word of God from the perspective of how it connects with money or possessions or all these different things and how it's all tied in, two-thirds of it is all around that. So it governs. It governs very much our lives. But it's, it's and, and Jesus gives us a proper perspective. We're going to look at the book of Matthew because it's probably the best and clearest. But... Um, what I, want us to, what I want to do tonight is I, I want us to see how can I give glory to God in my finances. And, and I, there is no way I'm going to be able to cover everything. I'm going to cover really one thing primarily, and, um, and we'll get into it. But let's go to Matthew 6, starting at verse 19. So it says here, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths and eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Because wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So we see here that finances are connected to our heart. Very much a part of our heart. And so um, it says your eye is a, is a lamp. 
that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. And, and people, that's self-deception. We literally don't know the darkness we're in. And if we don't allow the word of God to come into our heart, we stay in that darkness. Because it's only the word of God that brings light. No one can serve two masters. Look at your neighbor and say, no one. That means not even you. No one. People are like, oh, yeah, I can do the bit. No, no, you can't. Don't fool yourself. So, for you will hate one. Wow, this is pretty extreme. And love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Wow, Jesus, there's like no middle ground here for you. It's like you hate one and love the other. You're going to despise one. And, and it's like, he, I love Jesus. He shoots it straight. He gets to the, the bottom of our heart, and he's like, no, this is where you, it's really at in your heart. We like to candy coat it and, you know, make it all kind of, oh, it's kind of, you know, there's gray areas. And it's like, no, not in this. Not in this. He's talking very straight. And he says here, um, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't serve both God and money. Well, oh, everyone's got to live. I got to use my money. Yeah, you can. But we're going to look at today, does your, do you have your money or does your money have you? Because that's it. And, and there's one thing that God has set in place that will break that over your life. I'm going to just start with the one thing. There are multiple things that we can look at. And I could teach on finances for a whole year, and we'd never, ever skim the surface. And I've spent 40 years walking this out in my own life, like testing God in this and, and proving God in this and seeing God come through in this. So, um, you know, people are like, you know, how do you get this favor for this? Well, because we're obeying God and we're doing it God's way. And there's, there's privileges to that. And we're going to look at this. It's no favoritism. It's honoring God and putting him first and giving him permission. And so it says here, um, so he says, um, no one can serve two masters for you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Do you know that the richest man in the world could not feed the birds for one day? He couldn't. There are so many birds in the world. And God does it every day. Easy sheep. No problem. He says here, um, and that is why I tell you, um, uh, look at... Uh, Blah, 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 blah. They, you're more valuable. Can you all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can all your worries add one extra moment to your life? 
And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Amen. Don't you just feel his heart? This is a big hug. It's just kind of like, I care for you. I'm going to take care of you. Why do you have so little faith? See, guys, it, this is the issue. It's faith. And there's things God gives us to do that puts our faith to work. And so we're going to look at that. <clears throat> so he says, so don't worry about these things, saying, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So this is where we are so different from the world, and we should be so different from the world. We don't need to be dominated by all of this. We need to live in a place of security that my heavenly Father is so good. He takes such good care of me. That we reinforce that. We live that. But what happens is we... we we pick and choose different things, and then we end up being responsible for our own life. And then because we've taken control of it, we're responsible for it. And God's like, no, you need to give me that control. You need to come in covenant with me. And he shows us how to do this. But we have to do our part. And when we do, there comes a rest. And I, I can't explain it. You know, you know people say, oh, you got to give... You've got to give till it hurts. No, you've got to give till it feels good. <laughs> Until you know, okay, God, this is what you want. And we honor him. Because then he works his side of things. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously. And he will give you the things he thinks you need. No, he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about your uh, tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And everyone said, amen. <laughs> like, come on. It's like, I love it. He's like, no, no, just it's today. It's all you need to be. You know, we take on the world. We take on this. And it's like, no, no. He's saying just it's today. His grace is sufficient for you today. Today, when he, in the Lord's prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Amen? It's, it's relying on him daily. It's being dependent on him daily. It's trusting him daily. And it's, it's learning to walk with him daily. And so he, he gives us, you know, and, and so he gives us a practical way to do this. And we see this throughout scripture. And we see this in the garden. You know, God made this beautiful garden and he has one thing that cannot be touched. His portion is no touchy. And you know, people are like, well, this reason and that reason. It doesn't really matter the reason. It's this is God's and no touching it. That tree can have all these trees, but no touchy on this. And every time God worked in people's lives, like Abraham, 
When Abraham come, came into covenant with God and he encountered the angels, I'm doing a skim over. I, we could go to these verses. You're just going to have to look them up for yourself. Um, but when Abraham, you know, and Melchizedek, and, and, and he had that visitation, the first response was to give God a portion back. And it says he gave a tithe. And a tithe means a tenth. It means, it doesn't mean 3%. It means a tenth, 10%. And why? Because it's measurable. And we see this consistently throughout Scripture. We see with Jacob, I'm just in the book of uh, Genesis right now in my own daily devotions, and I didn't even see this before because people are like, like, oh, you know, the tithe, it, that's, that's in the old covenant. No, it's not. It was before the covenant. It was even with, with Abraham, with Melchizedek, but also with Jacob. And I did not realize this. When Jacob had the encounter with, with um, when he left his home, and he was fleeing because his brother was going to kill him. How many know that's not really a good thing? But he's having to leave because he stole his brother's, basically, birthright and inheritance. And the, and the, the inheritance was going to come to him. And his brother was so mad because re really it was supposed to be his. But he got it. And so he was fleeing for his life. And, and then he, he goes to sleep and he has this encounter. And we're not going to go into that. But it says, after he came out of it, it says, Then Jacob made this vow in verse 20, uh, Genesis 28, verse 20. It says, Then Jacob made this vow, and he said, If God will indeed be with me and protect me in this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home. See, these are all, how many of these are pretty big things? He is venturing out into the unknown. He is leaving everything. He knows one day he's going to have to contend with murderer brother. He's going to have to come back home, but he's fleeing right now. There's a lot of things. How many know that's pretty overwhelming? And he's going on, and he says, then, Lord, he, he says, then the Lord will certainly be my God. If, um, he says, if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up, and it will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. So he establishes, there, there is this sense of God, everything that I have is, is from you. But there's this portion that is yours that I, can, I can't touch. It's yours. In fact, you know what? It's not even, you know, people are like, oh, I gave the, this 10%. You know what? I don't even see a tithe as giving. I am returning to the Lord what is his. That is untouchable. That is his. And, and, and there's a reason why that is. Because there, your money represents your life. And the greatest demonstration that I have, it represents my time, my labor. How many your money represents your life? If, if not, if money just flowing to you like crazy and it, great, hook me up. <laughs> but it's like it represents our time. A portion. I am setting my heart to God. I'm saying, God, I am in covenant with you. This is a demonstration of me giving my life. I gave it when I made my commitment and received you in my heart, but 
every week when when you give to me i give back to you that is a covenant that's saying god my life is still yours and why why a tenth because you're not god you don't go um you know what three percent this week you don't deserve anymore and next week 12 maybe it was a good week you know, you know sit there and go no no we don't we're not god he said that and he said it with some conditions how many want to know the conditions because there's good perks and so i always find when i when i when i teach on this the ones who are doing it they know the perks and they get more and more excited because the windows of heaven are open and so let's go actually let's go there um in uh Malachi. Turn to Malachi. You know, it used to be back in the day, it was like, oh, it was like, and you have robbed me of this. You know, we heard it and it was like pounded into you. Give, give. Right? And, uh, and you just did. You feared God. You were like, oh, oh. <laughs> But there's a better motivation, <laughs> much better motivation. But, but I want us to see something here. And, then, and, then I, and I know there's so many that have, and I could go on and on and on, and I might share a few, of just the testimonies of when you're in covenant with God. And, and when, when you honor him, and, and the tithe is the start. Because people are like, oh, everything's God's. You know, in the new covenant, it's, it's not about that. No, no, actually, it is. And Jesus said this in Luke. It says in Luke eleven thirty nine. it says, Then the Lord said to him, he says, You Pharisees are so careful. So he's talking to the religious people. And, you know, people think Jesus came in and just ah, chopped everything down and let's remove it. No, he came to fulfill the law. And where it was wonky and weird, he straightened it out. And so the Pharisees, he says here, he says, You're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and wickedness, fools. Didn't God make this inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. What sore awaits you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. How many know it's pretty legit? But then he says this. He says you should tithe, yes, but... Do not neglect the more important things as well. In other words, don't just ride on the tithe like, you know, give it the office. Because there's Christians that are coasting on that too. And it's just like, I'm just doing the tithe. No, your tithe is their start. And then from there, you're, everything is God's. You're saying, God, where do you want me to give? Where do you want me to give? My wife and I, every year we're, we're looking at different ways. I tally everything. And I know what we gave. Because I, I, accountability. I know where my finances are. It's a good feeling. I get, see, most of you are like, too much work. Guess what? It feels really good. And it's not that much work. And you know, this is what God did. This is what God brought in. This is what I was able to give because of what God did. You, you're watching it. You're tracking it. You're seeing God working. But see, Jesus here, he's saying, look, yes, you should have tithed, but you don't neglect the other more important things, too. So, he says, I am the Lord. 
Malachi 3.6, and I do not change. In other words, he doesn't change. He set it in motion. It's for everybody. It was assumed coming into the new covenant, and the new believers and the Gentiles, they learned it. They were given Bibles. They learned this. This was the lifestyle of a Jew. It says, this is why you descendants of Jacob are not, already, are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? See, so what happened here is they were carrying on with all the rituals, but they were not even realizing how they were neglecting the Lord with their giving. They were just throwing in a little bit here, a little bit there. And they were kind of just doing their own thing. And, and guys, let's be honest. If you're not given something that you have to do on that, you're going to take more for yourself. Can we be honest? Let's cut through the... Let's be honest. There may be the odd, odd, generous soul that gives everything away. Very rare. Most of us, we're looking at for our own needs, and it's like, <clears throat> how many like paying their taxes to the government? <laughs> Can I get a show of hands? <laughs> you know, but there, there is something that we are given back as well. Even though we're, we're paying that, it governs something. That, well, it's the same with the tithe. There's a the government of God comes into your life because you have come into obedience through a covenant. Talk is cheap. Cheap. And the Bible says to not uh, love with just words, but in deed and in truth. So faith without works is dead. And Jesus, at the very beginning, said, look, it, where is your faith? Where is your faith in this? Because it's an issue of faith, and it's an issue of trusting God, and it's an issue of allowing him to work more. And, and, and he gives us ways to do this. And so he says here, he's, so they say, how have we gone away? And he says, he says, should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. In other words, you haven't given the tenth. You tipped me. If I went to Revenue Canada and said, yeah, you know what? I don't want to give you my 13%. I just don't appreciate what you've done this year, and I'm giving you eight. That's it. Eight. That's my highest. They're like, hello? Like... Give me, you know, put a lien on your house or, you know, they've got their ways. But it's like, it's not debatable. Do we think the government of God is? When it's set out so clear? I'm like, oh, that's legalism. No, it's not. Don't lie to yourself. And how is it working for you? How's it working for you? It says here, he says, should people cheat God, you have cheated me. Or another translation says you've robbed me. I mean, that scares me enough. I'm just, I'm not robbing God. 
Like, I don't want to get to the throne. And he's like, uh, you little robber. <laughs> it says here, um, um, it says, and, and you're under a curse for, for, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Then he gives them a solution. Well, you love it. God tells you the problem, but he always gives you a way out. Always. And he says, bring some of the tithes. Bring what? All the tithes into the storehouse so there will be what? Enough food in my temple. In other words, in his church. See, there is no greater community to get the job done for God than the local church. And each local church is governed with accountability, with a, a structure where it's not just one person randomly. The way God set up the government, even in, in the local church, is there's safety in the multitude of counselors. There's accountability. There is, there is um, looking at things, and then it's mul the multiplication factors. Everyone does their part, you can do so much more, and it can reach so much much more than a random person doing something on their own. And this is the way God designed it. We, there was no social programming when the early church first started. And, and God was very clear, take care of the poor. It's, it's throughout Scripture, consistently, consistently, consistently. There was a rich young man that came to Jesus, and he's like, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. Lord, what else do I need to do to follow you? And it says Jesus looked at him in love because he knew he lacked one thing. He says, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. And it says he turned away sad because he had many possessions. That was too hard. That was a big pill to swallow. But the Bible says, he who lends to the poor lends to the Lord. You can't outgive God, especially when you give to the poor. And so Jesus was trying to show him, look, this is going to set you free. So he, his money, he didn't have his money. His money had him. And guess what? He left and he kept feeding the monster. Because that's what money is. Mammon. That's what it is. It's God or mammon. The spirit of mammon is control, fear, and it completely dominates your life. That's a spirit. And money operates in that spirit. And God wants to set us free. How many want to make sure that's far, far away from you? And if it is, then we want to draw on that covenant and we want to be like, Let's get to the next part. So I don't want to be under the curse. I want to be under the blessing. Amen? He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. How many think that's a good deal? Pretty good deal. Amen? Then it says, try me. This is the only time in Scripture where God says, put me to the test. In other words, he says, I dare you. I double, triple dare you. Do it, do it, do it. 
You know, I know a church, it's actually one of the biggest churches in the States, they have the tithe guarantee. And they dare their people, new believers that are just starting out with their walk with God, they're like, I don't know what the timeline is of whether it's a month, two months. But they say, look, do you honor the Lord, give a tenth of everything, and if you do not see those windows of heaven open, and they will give you all your money back that you, you gave in that first. <laughs> they guarantee it. You know what? I'm actually thinking about it. <laughs> Got to run it by the board, but no. <laughs> but I kind of like it. Why? Because it gets people moving. Because you're either going to make a move or you're going to make excuses. And Lord knows we have enough excuses. I, I can just share from my wife and I, we've, we have for the last 40 years. I know for me it's been since I was 17. I think you the same. Um, when we started making money and we had that exchange, we have for 40 years done this. And we have for, see, doing, prosperity is this, being able to do the will of God. And we have a lot of excuses why we don't do the will of God. God put me through Bible school with a family of five for two years, debt-free, and I didn't have a job when I went into the city care of everything. We lived from miracle to miracle to miracle for two years. We didn't have credit cards. Thank God. We get this debt mentality that's creeped in and the devil just is keeping everyone pinned down and enslaved. Why? Because I deserve it now and I can pay later. Yeah, you can. And that, but it's, you're a slave to that debt now. And there's a better way, and God wants to teach us those ways, and he wants to open up those ways. But it starts with getting into that covenant first. And so as I bring that tithe into the storehouse, it says here that the windows of heaven are open over my life, and God says, I dare you, and he says, test me, try me in this. He says that your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from the insects and disease. Your grapes will not fail from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be in such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So you come into this covenant with God where, and I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's been my thing that I, hold, I can hold to, especially when things get tough. When you get into situations... Alan, do you want to share your story? This is one example. Alan just shared it last week, and I'm like, did you know I was going to be sharing on this next week? Um, and it's, it's a living example of just a simple, and I'll let Alan share it, but I, I'm sure everyone has a story, but this is fresh. Hot off the press last week. Uh, hello? Hello. I've never done, I, I don't know, well, maybe I have done this before, but okay. I don't know. It's weird having a microphone. I feel like I could probably do it without, but anyways. Um, no, so like, we, we've always done our tithes, but I, I think as you grow with the Lord, he's always expecting something new from you. You know what I mean? He's always, as you're growing, it's like a little kid. Like, I don't expect Benjamin to do certain jobs right now, like his own laundry or anything, but as he gets older, I'm going to expect those things of him, right? Or at least, well, I hope Allison agrees. I'm not doing his laundry. I ain't doing his laundry forever. Um, but so like, so we've always been faithful with our ties, but I like 
you know, if I, like, you know, I do it monthly, just it, that for me is easier, so the first of the month, that's kind of, like, but I never really stuck to, oh, it had to be the first of the month, and we've never really had a problem, you know, we've, uh, like, you know, uh, I have my own trailer business, and it's been very prosperous, and been very blessed by the Lord, but uh, I, it was just interesting, because this, uh, what was it, it was the 28th of December, from then to the 8th of January, nothing. And that doesn't happen. Like, I hadn't found a trailer to buy and fix up. I hadn't found nothing. And I have this guy who's owed me, like, $6,000 for four months, um, which I've never had that happen either. And then I had another guy I was waiting for. It's called an ownership for the trailer. For those of you who don't know, you can't do anything with that trailer unless you have that. So I'm just at a stalemate here for, like, a week and a bit. And uh, I, I just kept pondering. I'm like, what, what is wrong here, Lord? Like, you know, like, is it our giving to people? Like, because I'm a firm believer, and this is kind of why I told Pastor Greg this last week. He was talking about what you sow is what you reap. And I'm a firm believer in, like, if you just look at a farmer, they sow now. They're not reaping the next day. So you don't think of it as like, oh, I gave to these people. Why haven't I got something back next month, right? Like that guarantee thing. Well, it can't be one month because you never really reap right away. Like, you might, God might just bless you, but it's, I've never found that to be the thing. Anyways, so what happened was I was praying, and I was just walking around, and then I just felt like, you haven't sent your tithe. And I'm like, okay, I'll go send my tithe, right? And so as I'm sending it, uh, I, I split it between big church and uh, holy worship ministry. As I'm sending it, I get a message from... Uh, who was it? Oh, this guy was trying to buy a trailer off of. It wasn't even really a good deal. I just, he's like, hey, the other guy had sent money. He failed. And I'm just like, oh, that's really weird. Like, that never happens. If someone sends $500 on a trailer, they're taking it. Like, you think, you're not abandoning something, $500. Just, oh, I'll leave that beside, right? So I'm like, well, that's really weird. And I'm like, well, I don't really want it for that price. I want it for this price, which was a, like $400 less. And he had a lineup of people, but he's like, yeah. And I'm like, wow, Lord, that's wild. So I finished sending my tithes, and two minutes later after that happened, the guy who owes me $6,000 texts me, and he's like, hey, I'll meet you tonight. I got your money. And then I'm, I'm like, this is getting weird. And then I, I'm, just, I'm walking into the kitchen. I'm like, man, this is just crazy. And then I, I get another text, and the guy who hasn't sent the ownership sends the owner. He's like, hey, I'm sending the ownership right now. And I'm like, this is messed up. And then, no. and then, I know, it wasn't. And it was just like, I was like, Allison, like, I, and it just made me realize God really cares, like, and Pastor Greg and I were talking about it, the first fruits, like, it goes to him. Like, if it's the first of the month, at least for me now, like, and I know there's always that grace, right? Like, you know, I didn't know before, and there was grace, and it was working, but it's now time for me to grow up in this area and be like, okay, boom, first of the month, that's it send it you know what I mean it's his like you said because otherwise yeah it's like I've stolen from him for a period of time and so the windows of heaven were shut everything was shut and it was like this is just weird and yeah ever since that too it's just been I've been absolutely everywhere you know picking up trailers and I haven't been stopped since so it's been a really Amen. blessed time so Amen. keep tithing <laughs> <laughs> And, it's, and this is the thing with, with that covenant, when you know you've honored the Lord, and you've, you've, it's just obedience. 
And, and that's, again, it's the start, okay? That's not, we can't be like the Pharisees that they were so legalistic, but that's all they did. And it's like, no, that's the start, and then it's, God, what else do you want me to do? Everything is yours. But that, that part is untouchable. That's like, that's yours, God. That's yours. That's yours. And you said, when I do my part, you're going to do your part. And so there's times when you go through different seasons, it's like, no, God, something's got to change here. And when you've done your part, you have confidence. God, you, I've given this to you. Now you're responsible for it. You need to teach me, give me wisdom to manage what, I, what, I, what I've been given. And that's the other side of it, which I can't get into tonight, but that's the other whole flip side of it is now I'm a steward of what God's given me. How do I use the wisdom of God so that I will prosper in what I'm doing? Because if I use not worldly wisdom, but I use God's wisdom, and I use God's principles and how I govern my money, I will continue to prosper. And so it's a good thing. And so I want us to just go to 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 6 to 11. We're going to end with this, and then we're going to pray, and, um, and then we got an announcement. Um, remember this, for 2 Corinthians 9, 6. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. So you got to ask, if, I'm so, if, if it's sparing what's coming to you, are you sowing sparingly? Because it says here, um, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Because, see, it's always about the overflow and sharing. God doesn't expect us to give out of total poverty and where we're living these depleted lives. He wants to bless us and give us out of the overflow. When Jesus multiplied the 12 loaves and fishes, there was leftovers. Right? 12 basketfuls. And then it says here, and then you will have, um, and it says, and as the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For the, God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In, in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those we, who need them, they will thank God. That's always the response, and we're giving. And Christians, as, as Christians, we have to be those that, uh, as God blesses us, that we're wanting, we're looking for those places. And as the church, that we're looking for those, those areas of need to begin to meet in, in, in the city. You know, I, I shared about the meeting last week we were going to have with the mayor. We had it this week. And he pulled a bunch of pastors in. And we have a mayor who is asking for help and asking the churches. He's a, he's a God-fearing man. Grew up in Christian school. He, he's, he, he honors God with his life. And we need to pray for him because we can't ride on that. He's tempted like all of us are. He's tempted and, and, and is constantly needs to remember where he came from like all of us. And, 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 you know, he needs God's help with these challenging times. But he's asking for the church and that the churches would work together for bigger things in our city. 
So we need to keep this in prayer because God has to do a new work. Amen. It's not just all of us siloed and doing our own little thing, but it's like, God, we want to build your kingdom. How, what are you doing in this city? How can you, you unite us together for your purposes? Amen. Exciting times. But the people have got to be generous. We've got to be blessed, and then we've got to be able to be a blessing. We've got to live in a covenant that when things are tough, that we know, God, I'm hooked up with you. My job's not my source. This is not my source. You're my source. And if, and if, if it's not going to come from here, you've got another way you can get it to me. You've got a person who will give me favor and open a door and give me more than even money could give me. And there's so many different ways that he can do it. Deals. We get lots of deals. Why? Because that's how God has to do it for us right now. But we're not limited. We're not suffering. Even though things can get hard, it's like, God, you're our source, and the windows of heaven are open over us. And what do we need to do to step in to this? Because we want to obey you. Amen? And I believe we're all there. So, <laughs> if we could have some background music, we're going to pray. And, and I want us to, to pray over this because, you know, if you're in that spot of you're not really there and you don't know, you know, seek out the scriptures because I've just skimmed the surface, but there is so much more on this. And, and get this understanding in your heart because you can't give it out of compulsion or obligation. You know, and I don't, don't want you to give out of that reason. I want you to give it because you're truly honoring the Lord and you know this is the right thing to do. And for me, it started with that conviction at 17, 18. I remember I was in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And I'm, I'm finished Bible school. And I got all kinds of stories from there of when I, you know, honored God. Because I was in New York all by myself. And going through Bible school. And having to learn this whole principle of tithing. And living off of nothing. But it was just miracle upon miracle. But then I go, I go to Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And... Uh, live with my parents for the summer, and, and it's like God saying, you know, you're going to get married to your wife sooner than you thought. Sheila and I were, we knew in high school God was putting us together. We just didn't know when. But here he's like, he's speeding up the timetable. He's like, no, you're going to get married at 19. I want you married in November. We tell our parents. They're excited. We're thinking they're going to be like, oh, no, you can't, you can't. They're excited. We tell our pastors. They're excited. We're like, great, no stop signs. It's actually, this is actually God. He wants two 19-year-olds to get married. And so, but b before I went back home, and uh, God had me working at a part-time job at a skating rink. And I'm like, God, I got to provide. I'm getting, got to get ready for my bride. It's like November. And I know it's, I'm here this summer. And he's like, no, I need to stay at a part-time job. That's where I have you. I'm your source. I'll take care of those things. Just stay there. I, there were so many things that happened at that part-time job. People were filled with the Spirit. People were getting saved. I was, and it was just crazy, the stuff that was happening. And this is at a skating rink. I was just, when I'm at the stands, or even pop, you know, those, they were like, they asked me a question. I'm like, okay, meet me after work, and I'll talk to you more about it. And this girl gets saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit behind the, the pop stand, you know. I didn't do it during work hours. After work hours. But, but um, I'm like, God, I got I to provide for my bride. And I'm like, 
I got a part-time job. I'm like, where am I going to get an apartment? And, you know, I'm looking at all these places. It's like three fifty a month. And I'm like, I'm... <laughs> I know, I know you're laughing. Okay, guys, 30, 37 years ago. Yes. A long time ago. <laughs> Watch it. So anyway, I'm looking, I'm like, I can't even afford an apartment. And so anyway, I'm looking through the paper, and there's this thing, 175 for this three-bedroom apartment with a fireplace. And I'm like, oh, pfft. it's got to be a rumper dumper. But I'll check it out, right? Like, what have I got to lose? Go there. It's the third floor of this apartment overlooking the Mississippi River. Fireplace, uh, you know, one and a half bathrooms. I'm like, I'm walking around this place, and I'm like, you're 175? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> so anyway, I did the application, and I, they accepted me on my part-time job. Yeah. Woo! So windows of heaven are open. And then I'm like, I got to furnish this thing. And anyway, I'm at the skating rink, and this rich doctor's kid, I'm teaching her, figure skating. Okay, it's figure skating. I used to be a figure skater. So um, she comes to me after, and she's, like, complaining. Oh, yeah, I'm so bored of my house, and I don't like everything in it. I'm just going to get everything new. Do you want it? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what? She has everything. Bedroom sets, living room furniture. Just. <laughs> I'll take your leftovers. <laughs> so anyway, it's a doctor's way. Like, I got a whole house furniture that I didn't have to go and work for. And then this, this is the test, because tithe is a test. I was flying out to get married because I was in Missouri. Sheila was in Aurelia. I was flying up. And I got laid off the day before I fly out to get married to her. That was a real treat. <laughs> Sheila married the dream. That's all she married. A skinny dream. <laughs> As I was much leaner in those days. <laughs> Who had faith, yes. And she had faith. She had great faith. <clears throat> and so anyway, I'm at church. It's Sunday. I'm flying out Monday morning. And I got to go pay the rent, the first rent. And, and so I get my paycheck from work, and I'm, I'm calculating the tithe, and I'm $50 short on the rent. And I'm like, what do I do? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm giving God his portion first. I'm not taking care of my other things first. I'm taking care of his portion first. And that was a big step. Because I knew I may not get the apartment if the money didn't come through. And, you know, I could have, you know, held off and, oh, it'll come in. How many know that day doesn't happen? Let's just get real. So I gave it. And at the end of service, someone gives me a Pentecostal handshake. 
And I didn't go blabbing, oh, you know, I don't have the money. You know, I'm not going to be, I didn't go and tell anyone. It was between me and God. It's my covenant. But I was letting him know, God, I'm honoring you first. Windows of heaven are open my life. You're my source. And just reaffirm that. And it was there. And it's been there and it's always been there. We've been able to faithfully pay our bills and consistently. We have had times where when we planted our church in Newfoundland, we, there were sometimes the offering was $10 when we first started. We're a family of five. And it was like, no. And God would bring it in all different ways. Because why? Because when the windows of heaven are open. And with that $10 I got, a dollar went to God. It went to the house of God. So, yeah, I couldn't afford to die, tithe. But you can't afford not to. Don't violate the covenant. Be true to the covenant. God's true to his side, but you have to be true to yours. It's what he holds us to. It gives us something tangible. Because if not, you're your own God. You're just doing randomly whatever. Oh, yeah, just, it's like, no, no. He said, this is obedience to what he said. Amen? And so let's stand. Because... First of all, if, 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 if you're saying, look, God, I've, I've, I've cheated you, just repent and make it right. And then ask him what he wants you to do. You know, the guy, uh, Matthew, the tax collector, when he encountered Jesus and had Jesus come over, God convicted him to the, where he gave a portion. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but he gave back what he had stolen. And, and God convicted him. That's what you need to do. And you need to make that right. But, you know, do what he puts in your heart to do. But, but, but say, and test him in this. If it's some this week, you know, Donna Marie and Colin are in their truck right now. But when she came back to God, that was the very first thing. And it was the Sunday that I was teaching on this. And she was like, oh, I'm going to try it. And Boom. It was a, a major miracle that happened. And from there, I mean, they have been blessed, blessed, but they've been so generous, and God continually outgives them. But, but they've, they've got the revelation of it, and they walk in it. And so if you're stuck and you're like, what is this? And you, you might be like, Alan, where you've, you've forgotten that you've, it's, you let it slip, and you're like, no. And, and God will just, you can get back on track. But test him in this. And I'm expecting to hear praise reports where you are going to test him in this. Don't let your mental anger, oh, oh, yeah, but you, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, go to God and talk to him straight. Don't talk to everyone around you. Oh, yeah, no, they just want your tithes. It's like, no, no, let's get beyond that. I'm trying to get something to you because you're plugged up. If you're not tithing, you are plugged up. You have plugged the spout where provision comes out. You have withheld, and you're plugged up. So what do you do when you're constipated? <laughs> you need a good laxative. And that's return to the Lord. The tithe. Take the pill. Try me in this. And prove to me if I will not open you up. <laughs> That's the modified version. <laughs> Do you get it? <laughs> the 
And he wants to. He wants to. He wants to. So, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you are, you are good. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.